Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture passage today is John chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed to him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this the one who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they asked him, How were your eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man named Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received my sight. They said then to him, Where is he? And the man answered, I do not know. Throughout the first chapters of the Gospel of St. John, the Jews repeatedly failed to recognize Jesus as the light of the world because of their spiritual blindness. The presence of Jesus among the people roused the hostility of the Jews and they continued to increase their hatred and animosity towards Jesus. This is a powerful biblical truth. Ephesians 5.13 says all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. When the light and life of Jesus shines upon the wickedness and darkness of a human heart, the evil and sin is dispelled and that soul is joined to the light and life of Jesus. We become partakers of his divine nature, no longer following the darkness and sin of our fallen human nature. But if we turn away from the light, the result is increasing darkness and inner deterioration. 
In our gospel passage today, we are taught the wonderful truth that Jesus can open the eyes of the spiritually blind so that they will receive the light of faith and believe. The natural question came up in verse 2. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It was a long-standing Jewish teaching that all suffering and disease are the result of personal sin. But we know from the book of Job that this is not the case. While sin may be a cause for suffering, it is not necessarily so. In this case, Jesus makes it clear that personal sin was not the reason for the blindness, but rather that God would be glorified through the man. It is a principle of the Christian life that God constantly seeks to receive glory unto himself. Isaiah 42.8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name, I will not give my glory to another. Psalm 115.1 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to thy name give glory. In this instance, God was glorified because the man born with a birth defect was given a new birth because of his blindness. He received glorious spiritual benefit from his blindness since it was the means by which he recovered the sight of his true spiritual eyes within. What profit did the Jews gain from their healthy eyesight? They received the greater punishment for they remained stubbornly blind even while they saw the Lord of glory standing before them. Yet this man, a blind beggar, received the blessing of not only physical sight, but spiritual sight and rebirth into salvation. The right attitude to have when we encounter sin and suffering is not to find a reason for imputing guilt or blaming someone. Criticism and blame accomplish nothing. Rather, we need to look in every situation for how this circumstance will reveal the glory of God. Jesus says in verse 8, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day. The night is coming when no man can work. Jesus knew that his time on earth was limited. Soon he would go to Calvary to die for the sins of the world. The time to do the works of his Father was today, now, for night is coming. There's a deep symbolic meaning to night and darkness, light and day, throughout John's Gospel. He uses this term eight times in his Gospel, referring to sin, wrongdoing, and rebellion against God. This is in contrast to light and day, which always refers to truth, holiness, righteousness, and purity. What Jesus is saying is that he has to do the will of his Father now while his truth, holiness, and righteousness are shining forth God's light and life. Soon the night will come when no one can work. The time is limited. The door of opportunity closes and there will no longer be time for repentance and faith. Remember that John has already told us what the work of God is. The work of God, he says in John 6, 28, is that you may work the works of God, which is to believe on Jesus, believe the one whom God has sent. Listen, my friends. This is so important for every hearer and reader of the Gospel of John. There comes to each of us the opportunity to accept or reject Jesus Christ. If that opportunity is rejected, it may never come back. 
It is not that the power or love of Jesus is constrained, but that once we as sinners reject the Savior, it is possible to develop a habit of rejecting him, and we become less and less able to respond to God's grace as the years go by. As long as Jesus is in the world, there remains an inescapable revelation of the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. This is the glory of the Incarnation, that God came down to be with us. Jesus is the complete revelation of the light of God upon the earth. We are all without excuse, for we all have the person of the Son of God standing before us. This is why in the ancient morning prayers of the Church we pray, Illumine our hearts, O Sovereign Master, who lovest mankind with the pure light of thy wisdom. Open the eyes of our heart to the comprehension of the proclamation of thy gospel. And in another prayer, O Christ, the true light which illumineth and sanctifieth every man who cometh into the world, let the light of thy countenance be showed upon us, that in it we may behold the light ineffable and guide our footsteps aright to the keeping of thy commandments. A third prayer. Almighty God, in whom is no darkness, grant unto us thy light, that we may walk therein. Grant that we may know thy will, and by keeping it increase our light. In verse 8, we see that Jesus spits on the ground, makes clay from the spittle, and puts the clay on the blind man's eyes. This is similar to what Jesus did when he made human beings out of the dust of the ground. Jesus now uses clay to fashion a new pair of eyes. The fact that he took mud and placed it on the eyes of the blind man is the reason why the Pharisees rejected his claim to be a prophet from God. Performing a healing miracle on the Sabbath was considered by the Jews a work. Surely the true Messiah would not work on the Sabbath, would he? In using clay to fashion something out of nothing, new sight out of dead eyes, there is an allusion to Genesis chapter 1. God made man out of the dust of the ground by fashioning from the earth a beautiful new body for man. He then breathed into that form and man became a living soul. The Jews knew this from their study of the Torah. God is the creator of all. Therefore, Jesus is showing himself to be God, the creator. But he does it subtly. To come right out and say, I am the creator God of the world who took the dust of the earth and made man would be considered a boastful claim on the part of any prophet. But when Jesus shows this truth by his actual working, there is no longer any excuse for the unbelief of the Jews. By taking the earth and mixing it with his own spittle, Jesus shows us his hidden glory. This is an enacted parable. He acts out for those who have eyes to see that he was the one at the beginning who made all things. He is now doing it again in a very small way. What he did in large measure for all of creation. Now, after making clay and anointing the eyes of the blind man, Jesus told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. This word Siloam is the Hebrew word for scent. There are two deeper meanings hidden in the word Siloam. 
The pool of Siloam was at the southern part of the city of Jerusalem and received water that was sent or carried through a channel from the spring of Gihon in the Kidron Valley. In Isaiah 8 we read, Inasmuch as Israel has rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloh and rejoice in Raisin, the son of Remaliah, now therefore the Lord is going to bring on them the strong waters of the Euphrates, even the king of Assyria and his armies. King Razan tried to sack Jerusalem, but was defeated by King Ahaz. Instead of repenting of their sins and turning back to the Lord, King Ahaz and the people of Israel rejoiced in their military victory and relied upon their own strength, worldly strength, Therefore, they were punished by the king of Assyria and his armies. The contrast throughout the scriptures is always on trusting in the Lord God or trusting in our own power, wisdom, and might. The pool of Siloam is also a symbol of Jesus. Jesus is the sent one from God, the Messiah, to bring the water of life springing up from the Holy Spirit to all who believe upon him. The gently flowing healing water of the Holy Spirit which Jesus gives us is in contrast to the turbulent waters of this world. Jesus alone is qualified by God to bring light, life, and cleansing from the pure spring of God's heart, which results in spiritual illumination. The man had to obey Jesus' command to go and wash even as we must obey our Lord's command to believe and be baptized. Jesus commands, go and wash. We obey by going and washing. We go to the cross to believe upon our Savior and we go to the water of baptism to be washed and united to his body. The result is that we receive spiritual sight it is a significant fact that once washed by the water and healed within, the man is converted to faith in Jesus. He is then sent as are all disciples to proclaim the gospel and make disciples of all the nations. It is important to see that the obedience of the blind man in these verses is to obey the command of the Lord. He could have asked lots of questions. If it is really the clay or the spittle which gives me the new sight, why should I go to the pool of Siloam and wash? Why does washing with water be necessary? He could have asked all those questions, but the blind man did not indulge in endless questions. Instead, he held his mind in readiness for one thing only, to obey the voice of the Lord. You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him.
let's continue our lesson. God looks upon us as his children to find one thing only, and that is obedience. Sometimes modern Christians tend to be very full of questions about many things. Asking questions and exploring answers is a good exercise, but we need to acknowledge the limitation of reason. God desires not the speculations of the discursive reasoning, but the steadfast obedience of our wills before him. Modernity places a premium on knowledge and science. God places a premium upon experiential union with Jesus, the Son of God, daily living in fellowship with him, trusting him, believing upon him, and obeying his commands. Psalm 119 says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe thy laws and keep them within my heart. Now in verse 8 of our passage, we see the response of the neighbors and the friends of the blind man who had known him since his birth. This was a common place, a common thing that a person born blind would go to the temple to beg for the crowds who attended the synagogue to give him some money. Some of the people can't believe that this is the same man. Others insist that yes, this is the man born blind, so they go to him and ask him to tell his own story in verse 10. How were your eyes opened? The man responds, I went, I washed, and I received my sight. The man is saying, in effect, I obeyed Jesus and I received my sight. Now there are four aspects of obedience that are crucial to following Jesus. We first hear the word of God and listen intently. Then we receive the life-giving message of the truth into our hearts. Then we obey the commandments by doing what we have heard and received. And finally, we experience the life and light and joy of God. We watch Jesus living his life through us. Now, this next section of chapter 9, beginning at verse 13 and going all the way to verse 34, is a vivid character sketch of the people in the story. There is the blind man, the man's parents, the Pharisees. John paints the story with revealing touches to bring out the interaction of each of the players. What is illuminating is that we see the blind man and the Pharisees moving in opposite directions. The blind man receives his physical sight through the healing and his spiritual sight through belief in the Lord Jesus. He moves first from ignorance to limited understanding and then to full embrace of Jesus as Lord and God. He first calls Jesus man in verse 11. Then he calls him prophet in verse 17. Finally, he calls him Lord and falls down and worships him in verse 38. The Pharisees, on the other hand, move from darkness and unbelief to even greater darkness and unbelief. As the story unfolds, their hearts become harder in rejection of Jesus and rebelling against him. This is a powerful and challenging truth for each of us to digest. All of us are moving in one of two directions. Either we move further and further along the path that leads to spiritual light and life in Christ, 
or we move further and further down the path of darkness leading to death. Proverbs 4 says, The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. But the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Now, Jesus goes to find the man, and he asks him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Son of Man is a title for the Messiah. Jesus is asking, Are you ready to receive and embrace the Messiah when he presents himself to you? The man eagerly answers that he is willing to believe, but he's not sure who the Messiah is. Jesus then reveals himself to the beggar. He says in verse 37, You have seen him, and he is the very one who is talking with you. Immediately, the man falls to his knees in adoration and worship. He says, Lord, I believe. This is a reminder, beloved, that the whole Gospel of John is all about believing and responding. Believing and responding is not head knowledge. It is bowing down and worshiping the Lord Jesus. Jesus is not just a good man or a teacher. That recognition has to mature into full-blown faith, trust, and confidence in his death on the cross and his resurrection for our salvation. Our faith then expresses itself as we adore him and worship him as God. Listening, friend, have you trusted upon Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And having trusted in him, do you bow low to worship and adore him as did the blind man? Believe upon Christ, trust fully in him, then obey him by being baptized into the church. Do that now. Amen. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen.
you've been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener-supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint.